Welcome to Passions with Purpose, a podcast exploring hobbies that relate to a deeper spiritual meaning. In today's episode, we're talking all about worship. Our guest today is my good friend, Luke Pecoraro, and uh, he's a BCM worship leader. He is an avid worshiper of God, and he's got an album coming out here pretty soon. So welcome to the episode and welcome to the podcast, Luke. Thank you for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. I'm super pumped to be here. So let's just uh, let's just dive right into it. So what got you into worship and how did this passion foster or cultivate? Yeah, so man, I mean, my whole family is musical. So I mean, I just grew up, my parents did worship stuff in South Carolina and neighboring states, like doing a bunch of conferences together and um, just always doing music. And my brother is super musical, my little sister's musical. So like all my life have just been surrounded by music, which I just love so much. Um, and so since I was little, I've always just had such a pull to music, always such a pull to just anything creative, anything artistic, and just expressing yourself um, in music. And so naturally that turned into worship because I also had a relationship with Jesus um, and kind of recognizing like, okay, I've got music and I've got the church, but what's really cool is those things can be put together. Um, And so kind of like knew Jesus when I was little, um, obviously to an extent because in our little our little child minds like we don't really understand like okay I actually have a relationship with Jesus like this is this is really cool like it's more of just oh I accepted Jesus into my heart and now I get to go to heaven <laughs> which is awesome and I, I really believe that that is um, just such a cool thing we can do as a child but um, it wasn't until about seventh grade that I kind of realized okay maybe I can serve the Lord um, with music instead of just kind of being there. Um, and so started playing drums when I was like nine years old. And that over the years just progressed into learning piano when I was like 12. And then uh, learned like teaching myself like guitar, teaching myself bass, and then figuring out, oh, I know how to sing. Um, and then just eventually that turning into, since I started playing drums at youth group in seventh grade, that turned into, hey, can you play keys? Hey, can you sing and then just learning to lead worship. And so that's kind of how I got into it. I was just around it my whole life. And then it kind of turned into a thing I started doing at church. That's awesome. So out of the instruments that you know, excluding your voice, well, I guess your voice could be one of them, but which one is your favorite to play? That is always such a hard question and I hate answering it. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, but it, it's such a good question. I love it so much. Um, I. Love playing all the instruments. Like, it's just so cool to be able to, music is just really cool. But I would say my favorite, the one I had the most fun on is drums, just because it was my first love, first instrument. Um, And it's just so cool. Like, I just have so much fun playing drums nowadays. And any chance I get to do it, I don't get to do it as much. um, But any chance I get to, I just like eat that up. Like, it's so fun. So when you started to learn piano, was it like a thing of like, your parents were like, okay, we have to get him a quieter, more pleasant instrument to listen to? Or was it just like, oh my gosh, I just want to try piano because like that looks sick. What like what made you go to piano instead of like guitar? Mm, I don't really remember. I just remember at one point I had GarageBand way back in the day, and I was like, I can't record my drums, but I do have this little keyboard, and so I can try and make music with that because I just wanted to make stuff and. 
literally would sit in front of a piano and just hit notes until they sounded good. Had no idea what I was doing, like zero clue. Um, and I would be like, okay, that sounds pretty good. And like, if you listen to like my first GarageBand tracks ever, they were so jank. Um, they're like so funny. But I literally would just sit in front of a piano and just start messing with it and figuring out what sounds good. And that eventually turned into looking up chords and stuff online. And so it really was just like a, this is in front of me. Let me just try it. And then it turned into learning how to do it. So wait, so you were self-taught with piano and guitar. Yes. So what about what about drums? Did you get like lessons for drums or were you just like, I want these. And then you just started finding the rhythm or how'd that work? Yeah. So I, when I was nine, my parents got me a drum set for Christmas or my birthday. I don't remember. And I took lessons for like a month. And then I hated it, so I didn't. And I was away from drums for a little bit, but then I kind of got back to it, started just teaching myself everything, and that was just so much more fun because um, I didn't have to, like, follow a structure and have to learn this song by this time and, like, all this stuff. It was just I get to do what I want. And You so, felt more in control of what you are doing. Exactly, and that just made it more enjoyable to learn, and so I just kind of taught myself everything else. That's awesome. How'd you go about learning guitar? Was it just YouTube or what? My brother is a super good guitar player, like the best guitar player I know for sure. Um, and so he helped me a lot, but it was a lot of YouTube looking up. How do I play this song? How do I do this? And it's like all online. So it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. Now, uh, when you came here to Anderson University, um, you joined BCM Worship pretty quick, right? How did, how did that come about? So, CJ Bishop graduated two years ago. He was He's an AU alum. He's a beast. Um, and he was best friends with my older brother in high school. So, we knew each other. And the few times that I did tour Anderson, the few times I came for All Access, I always stayed at his house. And I never officially signed up for All Access because I knew I could just stay at his house and just hang out with him. And so, I was um, introduced to BCM through him and introduced to like just the culture at AU. That's kind of where I fell in love with it. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna come to Anderson. And he knew that I did like serve back at home. He was at FCA, Hillcrest FCA, we went to the same high school. He was at Hillcrest FCA for a while, while I was leading worship. And so he like knew that I could do it and was basically like, we're gonna need help at BCM. So when you get here, um, you're gonna start leading worship. And that really turned out to not be the best thing for me because I came in and I knew like I had this whole outlet to be able to immediately start leading worship. Like I thought I was that guy um, and really was this, it's crazy how the Lord works, just turning that whole prideful thing into for a while until I realized like I actually have nothing to bring to the table and like this the reason that I'm in this position is not me at all like it's all from the Lord until I realized that truth like something happened bad every single worship set like my voice would crack I would play like wrong notes like very obviously that just take away from the worship like something would always happen and I was never satisfied and it's because I was trying to do everything myself and so as much as it was cool to like immediately get involved in BCM worship that was also a huge pride check, which I'm grateful happened because otherwise I'd still be a super prideful, egotistical person. Um, but the Lord like just super humbled me through that experience. So that was like pretty interesting how that worked. That's pretty sick, dude. So how do you feel like BCM worship has changed since you've been there? Just because I know that 
um, with president to president of VCM, it kind of changes and um, just different leaders and styles. How do you feel like you've contributed to VCM worship? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, my, my biggest heart of worship is to be able to freely express in spirit and truth what the Lord has done for us. And so I heard this, um, I guess it's a metaphor, uh, one time. And it was basically, this guy was preaching and he was like, you guys get so hyped at football games. Like think about like Clemson fans at a football game. They're losing their minds. They're going crazy. Like they're just absolutely going nuts. And like, that's super great and super awesome. But if they follow the Lord, like a Clemson fan were to go to church on Sunday, they just stand with their arms crossed during worship and like, don't move a muscle. And it's like, God is worth so much more than arms crossed during worship. It, can you still worship in that posture? Absolutely. But I, my heart in cultivating a worship environment is that people would feel the freedom and feel the comfort to say, okay, God is so worthy of my praise. God is so worthy of just singing and in my personal belief, like dancing and like just like all of these things. And so I want to make an environment where people feel comfortable actually doing that. Um, and people like recognize who God is and recognize how much worship he's worthy of and just are able to worship freely, like maybe with their hands lifted, maybe even moving around, maybe jumping around during a song. And so since going to BCM, like it, when I got there, it was Baptist collegiate ministry. It was Baptist's crap. And that's okay. You could, the Lord, like you absolutely still worship in that environment. Like there's absolutely worship that still happens. The Lord still moves and life change and breakthrough still happens in those environments. I really believe that. But I also believe that in those environments where we can realize and can understand that so much more is available in his presence, then it's just so much more powerful. Like the spirit, you just become so much more aware of who God is rather than just kind of taking worship at face value because it's very easy to do that. Um, and just singing, Great You, Lord, again. And just singing Worthy of It All again. Like all these songs that we know so much that are just, it's so easy to like, just sing those songs and just take it for granted. Like truly recognizing who God is, there's so much more to tap into inside of his presence. And that's when we can realize there's nothing better than his presence, but it takes a culture that worships in spirit and truth, that recognizes the scriptures, that recognizes who God is. And so I would say that obviously not me. I just keep pointing back to that because it was a huge project freshman year. Um, the Lord through me has been able to express joy and express an environment where it's okay to clap and and it's okay to smile during worship even. It's okay to move around during worship because God like wants us to do that. God wants us to be joyful in his presence. And if that's the emotions you have to convey, then like that's what it is. And so that's kind of just been my heart that whatever posture it looks like, we would be a culture that worships in spirit and truth and is not doing it for a show, is not doing it just to jump around, just to clap our hands because there is people that do that. But that everything that happens, everything that takes place in a worship environment is done in spirit and truth by recognizing who God is. So you also have put on worship nights um, and like have started those. I don't know if they're, are they still weekly or just like every now and again? It's a, like, 
it's a very every now and again thing. That was like a lot of freshman year. So what did those worship nights look like? It was just a whole bunch of freshmen, um, a bunch of people hungry for God's presence. And I was like, we should do worship nights. And then we would go to Rainey, uh, the music room on campus, just one of the choir rooms, a piano room, a room with a piano in it, wherever it was, whatever was open. And all of us would get together and we would literally just worship. And that, I would say, was also a huge game changer for how I worship the Lord because it was one of those things that is not on a stage. When when everything's said and done, when BCM doesn't exist, when a huge church body doesn't exist, when like worshiping in front of 2,000 people doesn't exist anymore, am I still able to worship the same way without a huge crowd in front of me? And that, I feel like, really shaped my worship of this is more than just a Sunday night Thursday night or Wednesday night thing. Like this is more than just a congregational gathering face that I'm putting on of this is how I worship. And then outside of that, not worshiping the same, like doing those worship nights where they were just super spontaneous, super unplanned. And we literally did not make set lists. We didn't have like a, this is how many songs we're going to do. This is how long it's going to take. We literally just went into the room and we just started worshiping. And that just completely changed my perspective on what worship is like it really does say in the scriptures where two or more are gathered the spirit of the lord is and so that's what it was like sometimes it'd be about 10 people showed up but then other times it'd be like 60 people showed up and in either time it was just so genuine and so pure i remember one time um when i was just and this is all like a learning experience for me and just soaking in like man this is his presence one time I was really discouraged because we were singing and no one was like really singing with me. And so I kind of felt like I was by myself, which is just, it was uncharacteristic of those nights. Um, it was unusual. And so I was like, what is going on? Why is everyone just kind of not singing and not really in it? And I remember opening my eyes and I just looked around the room and it was like every single person in the room was just in this posture of like surrender, like on the ground or like sitting next to someone and praying together or like just just like in the moment, like spirit is just there. And I just remember God being like, worship does not have to be a song. And it just felt like I, the way that I described it to people after that day, it was just like, it was just a warm blanket of God's presence and everyone was just like cozied up in it. Just like, just like a winter day when you have like a fuzzy blanket that you can just snuggle up into. Like right. it was just like a warm blanket of God's presence that everyone was just like, I don't want to miss this. Like this is just so comfortable. And like, just, I feel so safe right here. And so that looked like people not singing and just literally just sitting there and being in God's presence. And so that was just one of those situations where those worship nights really did just change my perspective on worship. I want to go back a little bit. Um, so you talked about, you know, kind of implementing some more expressive styles of worship. What would you say to someone that is maybe hesitant or doesn't really understand um, expressing themselves a little bit more in a way like they would for Clemson or something of that nature? Like, how would you, is there any specific thing that you'd encourage them to try? Like, whether it's, I don't know, lifting their hands or like, like you said, worship is, comes in a lot of fashions. Is it going on a walk and meditating in scripture or what does that look like or what's something that someone can do to take those steps? Yeah. Um, so one thing that I've taken to heart as a worship leader, um, as someone who like 
does that all the time and has been changed. Like my worship did used to be kind of just standing there, kind of like singing a little bit, but not really understanding what I was doing. I would say that one, lifting your hands and jumping around, clapping, all those things, whatever, expression in worship does not make you a better worshiper. It doesn't, it doesn't create this divide where, oh, this person has their hands lifted, but the person next to them doesn't, they're not the same level of worship. Like that doesn't, there's not a divide that's created because of the way you express yourself. But I really do believe and heard one time, you can't take someone you've never, you can't take someone somewhere you've never been. And so in the terms of worship, like if I were to put like a very traditional Baptist on the stage at a church of God where they're very charismatic and tell and told them to like lead the church of God, how they usually do worship. They wouldn't be able to do it. Not because that's a bad thing, but because the way that they ministered to their own faiths were different. And so in that sense, in that particular scenario, they couldn't take someone to a place they've never been in the same way. If I were to try and like, even if I were to try and like lead worship at like a super, super charismatic place where like all they're doing is speaking in tongues, which that's like a whole nother thing. Like I personally have never spoken in tongues um, and like never done that, which is, that's once again, like a whole nother thing. But like, if I were to like try and do that, I wouldn't be able to because I've just never experienced that. I've never been in that. And so what I would say to someone who kind of is just hesitant to be expressive in their worship is your personal worship the way that you worship, you're not going to know unless you spend more time worshiping on your own than you do in congregational settings. And so what I mean by that, if you look at Jesus's life in the Bible, he only did ministry for three years and he was alive for 33 years. And so 90% of his life was dedicated to him developing in the dark, to him getting ready for what he knew he was being called to. And so only 10% of his life was him actually doing ministry. Only 10% was him in what God had called him to. The rest of the 90% was him developing and getting ready and spending time with the Lord and being one-on-one with him and doing all those things before his ministry. And so the same thing literally applies to any theological principle that even in ministry, even in when I'm leading worship, I cannot expect to lead from a pure, genuine, spiritual heart if my 90% is on a stage. I want my 90% to be in behind closed doors where no one sees it. Because in Matthew, when Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, that's why he says, your father who sees you in secret will reward you. Because when we spend that time behind closed doors that no one else can see, that we're not putting on a show, we're not putting on a face for anybody, but we're actually committing to, man, I just want to worship the Lord. And I want to do intentional time set aside so I can do that where no one else is going to see it. That's where you begin to shape your worship because you realize that it's not just a Sunday thing. It's not just a Wednesday thing. It's not just a Thursday thing. And eventually the Lord is going to reveal his character to you because that's what it also says. Your father who sees you in secret will reward you. It's not a maybe will reward you. It's a will reward you. And a lot of the times what I've seen in my life that reward is in the shape of him revealing more of his character to me, which makes me fall more in love with him, which gives me more reasons to, yes, extend my hands 
to yes, clap, to be joyful, to understand that like, this is not me putting on a show. It's not me putting on a facade for people to see, but this is literally in response to what I've seen in the dark where no one else has seen it. To what I've seen in my one-on-one time with Jesus that God is so worthy of my praise. God is so worthy of literally anything I can bring him. And once again, that's not done in the congregation. That's not done in the group setting. Are those things important? Yes, iron sharpens iron. Where this, where two or more are gathered, like the Lord is. But what's even cooler than that is anywhere one person is gathered, the Holy Spirit is inside of them if they know Jesus. And so that in itself is more than enough reason to worship of, I literally, Jesus came down to earth to dwell with the people he loved in person, but that wasn't even enough. That was not enough for him because he loves us so much. He made his dwelling place inside of our hearts. And so it's just, you won't know that if you're not spending time with him one-on-one. And so my challenge to anyone who is like, yeah, I I guess I kind of get that. But then you turn around and like, I guarantee you if you were to sit and think about anything you're passionate in, like there has been a time in your life where you yelled your head off, got super pumped about something, like anything like that. And that is because you knew what it was, you knew what place you had in it, you knew why you were passionate about what you were getting excited about, whatever it was. And so that turned into whatever kind of expressive passion that you showed to that one thing. And that's not a bad thing. It's really not. Like, it's totally okay. Like, the Lord actually wants us to be passionate about those things. The Lord wants us to get excited. The Lord gives us good gifts. And so that's just one of them. But... How much more praise does the thing that goes past this world deserve than something that is just very fleeting, something that actually will go away one day when we do die? Like, I want to live my life and be able to say at the end of it, I used my time well because I praised what is to come more than I was in the moment of what is now. And so... That's, I don't know if that makes sense. No, but that is my kind of like challenge. Like, use use your time wisely, and and commit to making an effort to understand why God is so worthy of praise. Commit to making an effort to understand why worship is so important in our lives outside of Sunday and outside of any type of church gathering. Because also, there was a point in time where, like for me, example, like I love volleyball so much. It's super fun. I play it all the time. And I didn't know I loved volleyball until I tried it out. I didn't have any passions towards it until I started getting in it and messing around with, like just like, hitting volleyballs back and forth with people and then eventually starting to like scrimmage and eventually starting to play. And like that turned into playing in high school and then that turned into playing intramurals in college. I would not have known that I was passionate about volleyball if I didn't make an effort to try it out. In the same way, you're not going to know what you're missing out on with God. You're not going to know what you're missing out on in worship if you don't make an effort to try it out in the first place. And so my challenge is to commit to it. Like just try it like literally like the lord's promise is that he will reveal himself to you 
Like your father who sees you in secret will reward you. I literally read in John this morning, Jesus literally said, I will, ex- I will never reject anyone who comes to me. Like I will never, ever say no to you. And like he doesn't sit there and, and sit with a stopwatch and say like, oh, finally, you're finally here. I've been waiting for you. Like, no, Jesus just sits there with open arms. And when you finally make the decision to just go over there, he's like, I'm so glad you're here. I want you to stay here. I want you to be with me. And he's going to show his character to you because you are making a commitment. You're making an effort to actually be with him. That's so good, Luke. You got an album coming out? Is there an expected date when that's coming out? Yeah, (laughs) Um, there's not an expected date. It's really tough. My dad's like the one mastering it and mixing it and doing all those things. Uh, We recorded it back in April. Um, But the tough part is when that's not either of our full-time jobs, it's just there's so much that already goes into it and then life gets in the way and like all these things. It's like, man, are we ever going to finish this? So he's in the process of doing the final tweaks to all the songs and um, it will be coming out hopefully before the year is over. Okay. Um, probably late November at the earliest. Okay. But super pumped about that. Yeah. Very, very cool. Try writing a song with somebody if you have it. <laughs> it's super cool. <laughs> okay. Well, um, thank you again for coming on the podcast. Uh, everybody listening, make sure to be looking out for Luke Pecoraro and his worship album. Valley of Vision. It'll be on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, all the things. Give it a listen. That'd be super cool. Thank you again for coming on. Um, Luke Pecoraro, everybody. See y'all later. See ya. <laughs>